Hey listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up-to-date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to The Run-Through with Vogue. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Chaminadi. And today we're reflecting on the craziness that was 2022. The endlessness that was 2022. And of course the to shortness that was the white lotus. Yes, I'm so sad it's over. But first, this week's headlines. This week, we want to talk to you about the breakthrough in nuclear fusion. Just kidding. No one cares about that from us. <laughs> but we do have other things we want to discuss. <laughs> so Choma, on Monday, I feel like we'd been like, oh, next week, the Golden Globe nominations come out. We're going to talk about that. And then it came out and it was like, Mm, it, it reminded me of the scene in Peter Pan when Wendy like walks the plank and everyone's waiting for the splash and then mm-hmm. there's no splash. It's like, will people even go? I, I I mean, I'm personally excited about the host. I love Gerard Carmichael. I watched his special and he's so funny and smart and such a good get okay, for them. Why does he do it? Because I guess it's he's a young guy and getting exposure. I, it's, it's good exposure. It's it just seems exposure. like a lose-lose. Like, I, know. I feel like you get destroyed. I know. I mean, if I tune in, it's because he's doing it. Okay, well, then that's why... He, I guess that's not why he does it. That's why they pick him. But yeah. um, he definitely felt like a hip, cool choice yeah. for them to choose. I just hope he's getting a lot of money for that. I hope so, too. So it felt like very by-the-book nominations, no right. huge surprises. Yeah. As everyone knows, the Golden Globes took a unceremonious leave of absence last year because it was revealed that uh, there was absolutely zero diversity in yep. the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. This year, they have really tried to bulk that up, but the news of it was the no newsness of it. Yeah. However, yeah. from a Vogue perspective, there are definitely some red carpet renegades that I'm very excited to yes. see. <laughs> I mean... Zendaya is nominated for Euphoria. Right. Oh, Kate Blanchett for Tar. So, I mean, I mean I, Kate probably will be my most favorite. I mean, I, know, I hope she wins. doesn't only wear Armani, but I, I right, have. Yeah, true. No, no, I have faith in her. <laughs> Michelle Williams always looks good. She I does. mean, a little too tasteful, but always right. good. Always um, good. Margot Robbie, she's nominated for Babylon, which is the Damien Chazelle, which got a ton of nominations. It's not out yet. So right. I feel like it's. I don't know. I'm excited about that. Um, I know. All of the nominations felt like they just happened yesterday. Like, I can't believe, like, Wednesday gone. Uh, I, yeah, it felt like White Lotus. I'm like, yeah, how did you all see this I fast know, enough? I know. Um, Aubrey Plaza and Jennifer Coolidge got nominated for White Love. Lotus. Want to see what Jennifer wears on the red carpet. Oh, there you go. Yep. Julia Garner got nominated both for Inventing Anna and Ozarks, which wow. I'm a big okay. fan of hers. So I okay. thought that was impressive. Yep. 
And I'm like you. I feel like a lot of these movies just came out. I haven't had a chance to see anything. So for me, I I think Christmas break for me is going to be a lot of movie catch up. Yeah. What else is on the headlines? World Cup. A World Cup. So this World Cup has been very contentious. There's been a lot of debate from... There was a whole New York Times article about how to pronounce Qatar. So like, it got to the point where people were just wanting to argue about everything. I feel like it's so rare now with streaming and having everything on DVR that there's a collective TV moment. Mm. And walking around the streets of New York City on a recent Saturday, even in freezing cold, people were like spilling out of bars. People mm. were watching on big screens in Times Square. You saw, you know, images from all over the globe of people really coming together. And I guess that's always the case for the World Cup, but it felt... Not so much in the, I don't know, in America. I mean, in the UK, coming from a a soccer-loving country. Basically, the streets are empty when there's a big game, when there's an England game. So, I mean, I think also last weekend, uh, for people who live under a rock, uh, (laughs) Morocco was triumphant over Portugal. Right. Portugal has Cristiano Ronaldo. They're a very established mm-hmm. um, favorite, often winning team. And Morocco won, and they became sort of the hope of both the Arab world and Africa. Yeah. They started to sort of symbolize so many groups and nations that had never had anyone progress that far in the World Cup. Right. So you really felt like everyone was rooting for Morocco. I'm like on a WhatsApp moms chat with like a, a lot of Brooklyn moms and a lot of them are French and a lot of them are not. And everyone was worked up about this. And uh. and it's like usually like, what do I do when a baby has a stuffy nose and you can't get it out? And instead it was like, allez les bleus, go Morocco. So I just I love when it sort of transcends different groups. So who's in the final? Unfortunately, Morocco lost to France. I mean, I I shouldn't say that. I'm half French. But um, for the (laughs) underdog narrative, it is was less climactic that uh, Morocco lost to France today. And and apparently I didn't watch. According to my husband, it was not a thrilling game. France squeaked by. So France won uh, last World Cup in Russia, and they are coming in hot with two young stars that people love, Kylian Mbappe and Antoine Griezmann. Whereas Argentina is really holding holding steady to Lionel Messi, who's probably right. the most famous soccer player in the world right now, right. but is a little over the hill hmm. in, in the sports world. So it'll be an interesting cross-generational uh, moment on the field. And a nice way to end the year. Yeah. And the final is on Sunday. Right. So, Chloe. Choma. Exciting news. We have other people in the studio with us today. <laughs> I feel like we're like Brie Larson in Room. Like, bring another human. <laughs> so, which is super exciting, and they're here to talk about what else but year end review. Ah, thrilling. Can't wait to hear the youth weigh in. <laughs> We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. And this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta, 
name your dinner emergency, we're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's macy's.com slash gift finder today. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Chloe, it's so fun to have some other people in the studio with us. I know. It's made me realize how empty this room feels usually. I know. (laughs) So uh, we've got Emma Spector here, um, Vogue.com's culture writer, to talk to us about all of the top culture stories. Elise Taylor is joining us, too, to talk about royals, our royal expert. And Jose Crielas Unsueta to talk about fashion this year. So... Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm going to pick on you, Emma, first. What were your top moments of the year? So my, I think, top moment of the year to write about and just to witness was the return of Benefer. Mm. Um, I feel like there's so much toxic stuff coming back from the 90s and early aughts. Like, I don't need a low-rise jeans comeback. I don't need the <laughs> mentality comeback, but I do need... Ben and Jen to be going to a Dunkin' Donuts. Or a Starbucks. I am personally very upset to see them going to Starbucks. If I know Ben <laughs> Affleck as well as I think I do, he's a Dunkin' man. But, you know, I don't want to knee-jerk blame Jen. Maybe they as a couple are finding a new couple's coffee style, and that's great. I did love how all of the headlines were like, Ben Affleck cheating. On Duncan. <laughs> it was very compelling. <laughs> it's upsetting. I mean, taking a Massachusetts man away from Dunkin' Donuts is a really bold move. Um, but, you know, people grow. I'm curious to ask about whether what, how you feel about her taking his name. Do you think this is... Did this upset you? Did you embrace it? I know um, oh, I don't, Chloe I don't had some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? I, I usually can get angry about anything. Within the broader context of like people often changing names for a variety of reasons, you know, gender reasons, marriage reasons, having That's kids, I, it's just something I don't care that much about. I'm like, it's your name, but I, there's a lot there. I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I like, I like when people keep their identity. I don't think you need to just be, you know, yeah. melding all the time to uh, whoever your marriage license says. But you know yeah, what? I, I mean, 
to each their own. And and you know what? I think more than being Mrs. Affleck, she's now going to be one half of Benefer. So mm. I support the portmanteau. Completely agree. And I also think for someone like J-Lo to take her husband's name, she's obviously always going to be J-Lo. Like, yes, it's, it's sort different... of a punk move for her because obviously mm, yeah. she's never going to be Mrs. Affleck. No, she knows that. Yeah. All right, Emma, what's number two? Number two was, I think, the surprising reemergence of Nora Ephron into the cultural dialogue, the infamous salad dressing oh recipe. Oh my oh, goodness. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was posted by Olivia Wilde sort of under duress after her ex-husband, Jason Sudeikis, kind of made public that she had taken their family salad dressing and left. I thought the nanny said that. I'm sorry, yes. The nanny said that he had said that to her. So that is, you know. Okay. The funny thing about... Olivia posting the salad dressing was it was sort of confirmation of the nanny's claims, which they had otherwise denied. So I was I mean, I don't think it confirmed all the claims It confirmed that she makes a special salad dressing, which is not um, so special, by the way. It is so basic. It's perhaps the most basic. What's amazing about that is like I feel like some people were like, oh, all this news has been so good for Don't Worry Darling. And it's just going to make everyone see this movie. It's like, nope, made me rewatch Heartburn. Hadn't seen that in a long time. (laughs) It was a great moment for for any Efron stan. Great moment for Efron stans. Great year for Florence Pugh, I think. Yeah, love Florence. (laughs) So the salad dressing came out that was part of an ongoing Olivia style saga. But now they've broken yeah. up. Do we feel like this is the end of them being headlines for us? Or do we feel like there's a like an act two of Harry I and Olivia? So. I mean, whenever, you know, someone has young children and there's perhaps some a lot of issues at play. I'm like, I feel bad, you know, lapping up this content. I like, know. <laughs> yeah. bit, but not bad enough not to do it. Let's be clear. <laughs> I do it Just conflicted. <laughs> but the salad dressing was sort of Olivia taking the narrative and making it fun. Yeah. In a way that I felt a little less guilty, like reading the Daily Mail yeah. <laughs> accounts of the employee. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Elise, I need a lot of Royals expert feedback, which is it's been a big year. What I'm hoping for, the from you. it has been a, a big year. I, you know, at first I didn't think anything could be 2020, which when Harry and Meghan left the royal family, then I didn't think anything could be 2021, where they gave their explosive Oprah interview. And 2022 has proved to be the most um, significant and chaotic year yet. Um, I think the royal family just occupies such an interesting place in the culture where at one point, you know, they are political figures. You know, King Charles is the head of state. And, you know, we saw the queen this year who who died be treated with the utmost respect as the head of state. And we saw the traditions and the formalities that went along with that. But then at the same time, they're also kind of part of the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, we read about their love lives. We read about their children's and we read about their scandals. And 2022 is kind of the year where all of that just really collided in a very, you know, fascinating way, in a, a very busy way for me. But, you know. So I heard that all the New York Post articles about Harry and Meghan being pissed and just all the unrest around the making of this do- series was true. Have you heard anything about, like, are they happy with this? Are they furious? Do you think it's good TV? Like, what 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 it makes you feel? How do you feel when you're watching this? So, you know, Megan had uh, spoken out previously that, you know, it's not the way they necessarily would have told their own story and that it's tricky, uh, you know, to have someone else who's in charge of your na- narrative. In well, this and case, not just anyone, Liz Garbus. Yes, Liz I mean, Garbus. This is a, 
the one of the number one documentarians. She's usually focusing on like incarceration, voter rights, Nina Simone, Jacques Cousteau. This is like lowbrow Garbus is really good. I'm yeah. sort of into it. It's it's like Kardashians by Liz Garbus. And, you know, I think um, the first part of the documentary, it, it wasn't that groundbreaking in the sense that most of the things they'd already talking about, uh, they'd already told Oprah. But it sounds like part two is, is really when we're going to start to get some new information that she's pulling out of this couple that they may have not, you know, thought they were ever going to share. So right. we will—I cannot wait to <laughs> watch it and see, you know, what Liz Garbus gets out of this couple and, you know, what the ramifications of that mean for both Harry and Meghan and the monarchy. How does this reflect on William and Kate? Like, they just had their first U.S. tour in eight years, and it just felt like kind of a drop in— like, it felt like a ripple, not a splash. Like, do people think they're boring now just because they're rule followers? You know, they're following a very different playbook than Harry and Meghan, which is that— you know, just they that they're are, following one. <laughs> you know, they essentially are, you know, doing the old British adage of keeping calm and carrying on. You know, they are, you know, one of the other royal sayings that often really comes up is never complain, never explain. And I think that's what they're seeing is that so far we just haven't heard anything from them. So right. we have heard nothing. They are not indulging in this conversation publicly. Will that change? When the documentary airs their explosive second half, we will see. Well, I mean, Jose, tell us a little bit more about what's coming this week from Vogue Runway. Yeah. So, you know, in the past few weeks, Vogue Runway has been hard at work trying to identify what the biggest fashion moments of the year are. This is always such a fun exercise, I feel, because it's really just about identifying pop culture moments, identifying the biggest designer news, runway news, model news. Um, So, yeah, we have a really big story dropping with our 19 top moments of the year. So I feel like we've done a good job of of thinking about how to get condensed. Yeah. Well, I have to say, moments. I opened uh, my email earlier, and <laughs> I'm not, a, a, I would say, primarily a fashion person. And I read these, and I was like, ooh, this is fun. I'm excited. Uh, it's just that Jose and Choma's top eight moments of uh, 2022. So let's... let's uh, <laughs> Let's hear them from you guys. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a mini award show of, of sorts, right? Because we're giving out awards. Yeah, it's of. our little superlatives, you know? It's like a little award show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so first off, who were the designers who really had the rock this year? Who who had the best year ever in Europe? You know, Glenn Martins had an amazing year mm. between Diesel, his Jean-Paul Gaultier couture collaboration in January, and his own work at Y Project. He really just fully, like, blew up and really went into the mainstream this year, I feel. I mean, I, I have to admit, I'd never heard of Glenn Martins. <laughs> See, Get most to people, know that name. I've worked at Vogue for over 10 years, and I was like, don't know who this person is. <laughs> Remember Listen, that name, because he's exactly. going to get even bigger. Is he a young guy? Is he a new designer? Is this just, I've been under a rock? No, he's, he's been around for, oh, I want to say like a decade now, right? Like, why project All right, no excuse. But he's pretty young. He's I would pretty young, put yeah. him in the young, young yeah. category. No, and he really like started becoming more of a name very, in the past, I want to say like three years. You know that why project yeah. really became a thing Rihanna's a big fan. Well, if Rihanna's a fan, exactly. Yeah, you but mean, this you, was really you, his year. His uh, those UGG bo- those crazy thigh high UGG boots will yeah. maybe have have kind of you know crossed over into the mainstream I culture. You the might remember cool those. Cool UGG boot was the very tiny short one. 
That's different. Well, there's okay. two. That's if you that's ask that's Bella true. Hadid, it's a tiny short yeah. one. If you ask Rihanna, <laughs> okay. it's a massive white okay. project okay. one. So it depends on the yeah, kind of yeah. girl, you know. <laughs> but yeah, he had a year. Girls. Yeah, exactly. He went from very, if you know, you know, to really fully just one of the okay. designers to watch. Yeah, I right? mean, he made Diesel. I think Diesel's kind of hot again, right? When was when, oh, yeah. when was anyone talking about Diesel before? Seriously, you know, seriously, it's been it's like, years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. on. He's on your. He's on your breakout list, right? On your rock star designer list. Yeah, he's the other big name. Matthew had such an amazing year. His knockout. Um, debut at Bottega earlier this year and all everything he's done since. I mean, everyone's gagging. I'm personally, I'm living for it. He's really had an amazing year. <laughs> he went from be, really being in sort of the backdrop, having worked for so many people, including Phoebe Philo, including Raph Simmons, to now being like in the forefront of a brand. And it's really just such an amazing story to, to just see someone step up. Well, th- speaking of stepping up, who was stepping off? Who's stepping off <laughs> that we're most gutted about. Mm. So Alessandro left Gucci, definitely the end of an era. I mean, he was a Alessandro Gucci Alessandro Michele. Yeah. Yes, Alessandro Michele yeah. left Gucci. Um, Raph Simmons, so this happened in the same week, which was crazy in the yeah. fashion week. news world. You know, <laughs> Thanksgiving week, end of November, Raph Simmons also announced he was shutting his label after 27 years. It literally had, it's my age, which I was like, oh, wow, the 20, it's the 27 Club. <laughs> you uh, baby. <laughs> but yeah, Raph's label joined the 27 Club. The funniest part is that he announced it on an Instagram post, which is a very oh, just wow. 2022 thing to do. There True. wasn't a press release? That's fascinating that it's like shifted that much. I know. And we actually wrote a story uh, breaking the news and, you know, we reached out to the PR and they were like, nope, this is it. This is the announcement. This is the press release. This is the thing. You know, it's a short wow. Instagram post. Very interesting. And of course, Tom Ford sold his brand to Estee yeah. Lauder Companies for $2.8 yep. Yeah. Securing the bag. Tom Ford really, really... He did that. Yeah. Of that deal. Yeah. Ooh, a billion dollar deal. That was... Yeah. I mean, I think people were... It was big news. It was impressive. Massive news, yeah. And it had been circling around for so long. You know, his September show, we kind of already knew that he was selling it, but no one knew to who. And then all of a sudden, news. Wow. Okay, so... One of my favorite awards of the year. Who was our style renegade of the year? I mean, you got to give it to Rihanna. You know, our May of cover course, star. who else? I mean, isn't she always the style exactly. renegade of the year? Exactly. I mean, undisputed probably for, since she came onto the scene. I was going to say. We can meet here 12 months from now and it'll be the same conversation. For sure. I was like, tell us why this year. Like, because this, I think, was a really significant year in Rihanna world exactly so you know we all call rihanna a mother she is a mother <laughs> but this year she actually became a mom you know she had her first her first child with asa rocky but the way she announced her pregnancy we all had heard about it but early february she put she posted an instagram photo and it was a street style photo shot by mm. um Dixie, the paparazzo, you know, and we were all just living for it because with a bare belly in February, with a bare belly. Yeah, like it shivered Puffer, looking, yeah, yeah. in this oh, known vintage Chanel puffer, Christian Lacroix jewelry, and oh, I mean, she was by, committed, committed, and I mean, she's always yeah. committed to street style, right? And she, the reason why she's her style renegade of the years because she shifted the entire conversation about pregnancy style forever. I feel, yeah, she really, really did, and. And honestly, without hitting a red carpet, really. I mean, mm-hmm. she went to a lot of shows, yeah. but she really didn't do... do. She was kind of absent from big red carpet events and still managed to win our, our Star Renegade. Of exactly. The year. I mean, you got to give <laughs> it to Rihanna. Rihanna, we stand forever. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Always. Okay, which leads us nicely into most divisive uh, dress of the mm-hmm. year. Dress that uh, I can say with my hand on my heart that Chloe hated. That's true. <laughs> Listen. Please reveal. Please reveal. Uh, please do we even need to guess? I mean, right? I feel like everyone already knows Kim Kardashian yeah. wearing the Happy Birthday, Mr. Yeah. President Marilyn Monroe dress yeah. at the Met. Which is now ruined with Pete Davidson's dandruff yeah. on it. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But you know, it's true. It was the most divisive and talked about dress of the year. We were talking about, you know, like how to approach writing about it because it's, it's obviously one of those mm. unmissable moments this year. And part of the conversation is that you have to acknowledge that Kim is an icon, right? It's an icon of mm. pop culture today, whether like the girls are living for it or not, but she is. And then on the other end of the conversation, you have to also acknowledge that like, what's the need of taking this dress that is such an intrinsic part of fashion and style history and just wearing it again? I definitely can go both ways about it, but I part of me just wishes that you would have, you know, left the dress alone. <laughs> Ugh. Part of me does not wish that. I think it was a really good move. I think it was a really brave move. I mean, and she shut down the red carpet, right? She was the last one. Yeah, she did what she had to do. She did what she had to do. Did she have to do it? No, but like, you know, she wanted to. She wanted to. She always wants to I mean, I want a lot of things, Choma. (laughs) (laughs) We're always going to have to disagree to disagree on this one. If anything, we, we can take away from this is that the access to fashion that Kim has gained over the years is, yeah, you know, unparalleled, unparalleled by now. That's true. That's a good take but question. Away. What is Kim going to wear in 2023 now that she is no longer wearing Balenciaga? That is the big oh, question. That, that is, is a big question. A big question. You know, during our Basel in Miami, <laughs> you could question. actually start seeing... Like I know. Them, I wasn't trying to quite switch it sure. up. Yeah, yeah like, it was a little. It's been a rocky start. I yeah. would say. You know, actually, when she went to the Prada men's show earlier this year, I was like, oh, I, I could get into this, but I do like her in Rick. She's been Did wearing she wear Rick men's Owensola. Prada. She wore men's she Prada. Prada. Oh, that's Prada. cool. Yeah. Yeah, but she wears Rick here and there. Um, so I could also see her as a Rick Owens girl. You know. Yeah, I like that for her. I mean, the Met Another is going to be person. a problem for her. How yeah. is she ever going to live up to that dress? I don't know. She'll figure it out. She'll fi- she always does. <laughs> I yeah. feel like no, she I'm always does. Holding my breath. <laughs> She'll pull out the, the dress Chanel wore. I yeah, mean, exactly. Chanel wore. Yeah. I don't know. Coco rolling in her grave. Exactly. Coco <laughs> definitely rolling in her grave. Coco probably will. I mean, that probably she won't be able to do that. I think that will be. Yeah. So no religious. Touching Coco's. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Last category: most divisive TV characters wardrobe. I mean, Portia in White Lotus. I never saw so many Twitter think pieces, Instagram story <laughs> takedowns, TikTok <laughs> reviews of a single like supporting character in a TV show than Portia. I know this poor lost girl. It just <laughs> destroyed the internet. <laughs> yeah, she was going Why through do you think it the it entire is? People season. People were so like, what was it about her that really, or her character, or her outfits that that really got people talking? Because I've never seen anything like it. Obviously, we know the show was popular, but who knew that the conversation it just was would like be this pure social media chaos right. distilled yeah. into one character's outfits? Yeah. And actually, I interviewed Haley Lou Richardson, who plays Portia, for the show. And she had a lot to say about Portia's outfits. One of the bucket hats that she wore got maybe the most viral hate. And that was something (laughs) she crocheted herself. She She has a crochet Etsy shop called Hooked by Haley, where she makes like super sort of Loving hands at home, uh, jewelry, and crochet hats. 
And she said she traveled to Sicily with a bag full of yarn and didn't end up making anything. Wow. <laughs> you couldn't make this shit up. Seriously. I mean, you couldn't make that. this stuff up. Yeah. You really can't. So, get ready for some hot takes from Haley Lou. <laughs> can't wait to hear. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello? Hi, Haley. How are you? I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Somehow I got a COVID test and Vogue confused <laughs> with each other. Wow. But, um, well, that's that's offensive. Is that, is that, I know it's. I don't know how that's a possibility, but I'm I'm really. We sorry. never want to be confused for a COVID test. COVID test. I know you guys are very different. Trust me, I'm aware. I'm very aware. Wait, tell me about your uh, Zoom name being H Poopy. Oh, is that my Zoom name on this one? Yeah. <laughs> I just made it that because over COVID, I was doing. I teach this dance class at the gym across the street from my house. And over COVID, Zoom started becoming a thing. And then I was doing the dance class over Zoom. And I just decided to do something like fun and random. And then the pandemic lasted so long. And then all my like official Zoom work meetings were over Zoom. And it was the same name. And then <laughs> maybe I I might have lost some jobs because of it. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Haley, we want to hear everything about the finale. Everyone's like still hot from this tell me when you found out who was gonna die was it at the beginning or was this like a well-kept secret oh yeah it was at the beginning um because we got all seven episodes oh before. you did yes and then okay. we also shot all seven episodes completely out of order like a giant it. movie um which was complicated but uh somehow we did it so i knew what happened with everything before my first day filming that's amazing that you shot it out of order, though. Was that a weird experience? Like, what was the first thing you shot? My very first day, I made out with two guys. I made out with yeah. Adam and Leo on yeah. my first day. 
And one makeout was from like episode two and one was from like four or five or something. I literally was in every scene that first day I worked and each scene was from a different episode. So it was very, for me, I like took all of Portia's scenes from all seven episodes and put them in a binder in order and just focused on like Portia as if it was her own like mini movie of Portia. Okay. The Um, Portia movie. The Porsche movie. <laughs> I'm sure everyone wants to see that. But, uh, but um, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was like an 800 page movie that we did over five months. Wow. So you moved to Sicily for five months. Were you staying at that hotel? I was one of the ones that didn't stay in the hotel because I really wanted a kitchen. And I also had my cat with me. Oh, wow. Your cat came from L.A.? Yeah, he's a great traveler. Really? Tell us about him. His name is Darbin, and I just got him tattooed on my leg last night. (laughs) Wow. He's my soulmate. Yeah. I'm sorry. Is it his name tattooed or his visage? I got his whole body. There's actually a photo. There's a photo that I took of him in Sicily in my villa apartment. But um, I took this photo of him because we would, you know, have a glass of wine together every night, him and I. And uh, <laughs> he like sits like a human. And I there was him sitting in this like big chair that I had in the living room. And I put my wine next to him. And he literally looks like an Italian man after a long <laughs> day's work. What kind of cat is he? He's a Scottish fold cat. Oh, wow. They're so the his little- most beautiful. I know. And he has long, fluffy hair and and uh, he just kind of sits and he looks like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec and he just drinks wine <laughs> with me. I don't actually give my cat wine. What was like the post-shooting activity? Like were different groups hanging out? Were there parties? Was it social? Yeah, it was social. You know, I think it's always a great thing when you can have like because you share such a intimacy and in in a way with these actors and the whole crew honestly because we show up on set and like there's all these creative people you know making something and trying to collaborate and then also as an actor you just have to be like so vulnerable and like just immediately on the first day there's like you know, a hundred crew around you of like mostly middle-aged men and you have to somehow like be able to um like feel your truest things in front of them immediately. So it's always great when you make friends with these people and you feel like you can trust them and have like a real safety with them. And I think part of like building that camaraderie is, uh, is, you know, friendship and hanging out and being able to just like relax and have fun offset. So who became your bestie or few? My bestie is Adam. Adam was like from day one, He's my bestie, and he's actually going to be one of my best friends for the rest of my life. Oh, um, that's cute. Yeah, I really love that guy. He's one of the best guys I've ever met. Did you watch season one of White Lotus when it aired, or did you like catch up later when you got the script? Oh, yeah, I watched it when it was coming out with the, with the rest of the world. <laughs> did you I think a- I want to be Jennifer Coolidge's number two next season? Oh, man. Like, well, I didn't even think, because I just thought... <laughs> Actually, I had gotten an audition to play uh, the daughter that Sydney Sweeney plays. Oh, wow. That's cool. Olivia? Yeah. Is that her Uh, name? Maybe. Yeah. I'd gotten the audition, but I couldn't do the audition because like the second I got the audition, I had just signed on to this 
other this movie that was filming at the same time and I had already committed to this movie and I was really excited about it but I was like I'd been wanting to work with Mike for so long and um I was just like so heartbroken in a way that like it 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 wasn't the right time like I, I couldn't even audition I couldn't even give myself a chance um the stars aligned then, for you know, Portia. I had no yeah, the stars line for Porsche. I had no idea there was going to be a season two. I had no idea Jennifer was going to come back. And then like when I got the audition and it was to play Jennifer's assistant, I was like, okay, this is pretty epic. <laughs> and <laughs> it's pretty what ideal. Was it like, did you know Mike before or you were just a fan of his? Oh, just a fan. I'd never met him personally, but I had sent him a love note. Um, <laughs> After White Lotus uh, One or from something else? Before, actually, uh, well, I'd known of, you know, his work for a long time. And but then after I saw Brad's status, did you see that movie? No. It's a really good movie. It's one of my favorites. Uh, It's with Ben Stiller and Austin Abrams. And it's just such a great story. Um, And it's so like grounded and funny and spiritual. And like, I don't know, it's just so great. And the tone of that movie was like, I remember watching that movie and being like, that's the kind of projects I want to be in. Those are the kind of stories I want to tell. Like, Wow. And, so you yeah. wrote him a fan letter? Yeah. <laughs> and then I, uh, I also manifested working with him, like through multiple manifestation techniques, such as a <laughs> scripting letter. Yeah. <laughs> and tell me about the first time you actually met him, because I, I read somewhere that there were tears involved. Oh yeah. I did a zoom audition with him. And then after I got the job, I did just a zoom with him talking about Portia and his ideas with this character and what I felt like I could bring to her and like really getting on the same page with that. But then the first time I met him in person was actually in Sicily. Okay. And I was just so overwhelmed because whenever I start a new job, I feel like I don't know how to act. Like, I feel like I've never done it and I feel like I'm going to fail. And I feel like once I start filming, the confidence comes back and like it clicks, but before it starts, there's just so much anxiety for me. And, uh, I had, you know, done like a 30 hour day of travel with my cat. And then the next day I met Mike and it was raining in Sicily and I didn't know where I was. And my phone service wasn't working to direct me to the hotel. And I was walking in the rain and a car almost hit me and I had my period. (laughs) And then I walked into the hotel and then the AD was directing me to the room that Mike was in. And I was saying like, Hey, I'm really overwhelmed. Can I just go to the bathroom for a second before I see Mike? Cause I could feel myself like starting to have a little emotional breakdown. And then he opened the door and he was like, Oh, Mike's already here. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So then I saw Mike and then I immediately started crying and telling him my woes and, <laughs> <laughs> and it was slightly embarrassing. And, uh, also very Portia of me. <laughs> it, it does sound, frankly, quite Portia. So did were there any yeah. Portia and Haley overlaps? Was there any Haley that you used for Portia? Or any way you empathize oh, with Portia? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, empathizing with the character you're playing is the most important thing, I think. Um, Portia maybe subconsciously was already maybe getting into my, like, being Mm-hmm. By the time I got, so maybe that's why I was so, you know, pitiful and dramatic uh, <laughs> when I first saw Mike. Definitely the 
the misery I was connecting to on that first day and, that, <laughs> and the self-pity. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about working with Jennifer. Was that something, had you been a fan of hers for a while? Was was she someone you worked with intimately to sort of work on Tanya and Portia's relationship? What What did that look like? Watching Tanya in the first season, I was just thinking, this is an iconic actor Mm -hmm. (laughs) playing another one of her iconic characters. And then when I found out I got to, you know, be her assistant and watch that in person and work with that, like, that's just so kind of surreal. And I was really nervous, but also just excited. And Jennifer is such a unique and charming and just unexpected and free woman like she liked tanya i mean she's not a an awful inconsiderate human being like tanya (laughs) in any way jennifer is an extremely charming kind lady uh (laughs) but definitely the kind of eccentric spontaneous right just freeness is is very similar that's just like an innate thing that jennifer has are you guys still in touch she's pretty bad at texting um, I will say she's pretty bad at texting. <laughs> so the last time I talked to her was at the premiere. But oh my gosh, my okay. parents were at the premiere, and my parents were so excited to meet Jennifer. She was like the one person they were so excited. Interesting. What what were they a fan of her from? Like Christopher Guest movies, or I honestly don't know. Probably multiple things. Probably all of it. But they were okay. just so excited, and they okay. also loved season one too. Um, but they were just so. I think that's why they showed up to the premiere now. The whole internet is talking about Portia's outfits. Did you see this coming? Uh, <laughs> um, no, definitely not to this extent, like at all. Like I feel like there's there's other things that maybe people would pay more attention to. <laughs> Do you think Portia's outfits are good or bad? I stand by everything that we did as a team to create Portia as a person and as a character. I think her outfits and the way that she is represented through her style is exactly who she is on the inside. And that's all that my goal is. But a lot of the conversation has been honestly really interesting for me. And I read things and I'm like, wow, this person really actually gets who Portia is for better and for worse. And, you know, that was part of the intention. Where's the Venn diagram overlap between Haley style and Portia style? Are there any like items from your own wardrobe you brought in? There's definitely an overlap. I do think I'm like an eclectic dresser and I definitely like wearing colors. I like, I don't know how to match as a human being. (laughs) So I've kind of just at a certain point, like when I first moved to LA, when I was 16, um, I remember being like, I should just give in to this inability to put things together properly. And I should just like make, I should just surrender to the, the chaos. But you know, I am a young woman and I'm, I don't have it all together. And sometimes I succumb and buy something from an Instagram ad, you know? <laughs> you know what? It happens to the best of us. Yeah. I was obviously drawn to things that I thought were kind of interesting or cute. So I would look at pieces of clothing in my fittings with Alex, the costume designer, and I'd be drawn to certain things kind of as me and Portia. Right. And then to make it fully Portia, I wanted to like, put it together and then add something or multiple things that threw the whole thing off. 
It's like the opposite of the Coco Chanel saying where she said, every time you're leaving the house, look in the mirror and take one thing off. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we put a couple <laughs> things on and we made sure those couple things were not what was supposed to go. With yeah, exactly. Outfit. But, you know, that's uh, I think it makes so much sense for this girl. And then I saw there was, you know, people really were very focused on your crochet bucket hat in one scene. Was that a hooked by Haley hat? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a creation. My own creation is hooked by Haley active. I know that's your crochet Etsy. That's my crochet Etsy. Yeah, I'm I'm very sporadic on there because I just kind of go through phases if I'm working on something and I'm crocheting a bunch of things on set or I'm not working and I'm just making a bunch of things in my house. Like, Did I just you make a bunch of things in Sicily? I didn't. I brought like a whole entire carry-on suitcase of yarn and I didn't touch it the whole time. Okay. <laughs> but I did, I did make that hat. So <sighs> the only thing that I've really taken personally with the Porsche outfit hate is the hate for that hat because... You know, because I love you made that it. Thing. I made it with my hands. <laughs> Have yeah. you followed all the memes? I haven't the- followed all of them. I got a little bit scared of social media after like a few episodes in because they were just like really, really mean to Portia. But I'm sure there are some good ones after this finale. Haley, we have a couple of questions that we ask everyone. One is what's your biggest fashion regret or fashion faux pas? in recent memory? Well, here's the thing. At the White Lotus premiere, everyone told me that I shouldn't wear this dress that I wore. Literally everyone. Like my stylist wanted me to wear a different dress with different shoes. My friend told me that I looked like I was wearing a Halloween costume in the dress. Like everyone was telling me I shouldn't wear this dress. But I don't know if I'm just the kind of person that likes doing the thing that everyone tells me I shouldn't do. I just genuinely like felt so good in it. Like I felt like well, I then it's it not a faux pas. Then it's yeah. But I looked back at the pictures and I was like, yeah, I definitely could have looked better. <laughs> um, but you know, I I don't fully regret it because I felt like such a fun time in that dress. Who made um, this dress? Okay, I'm looking at it now. It's like a psychedelic mini dress with almost like with a frizzed print and crazy yes. feather cuffs. Yes. Wow. It's cool. You think? Yeah. It's like Portia grew up. It kind of feels like a spin on Portia, which I kind of liked. And also it felt like the White Lotus premiere felt like fun and like a good time. And I just like wanted to have a freaking good time. And I did. Who makes this Um, dress? It's Moschino. Okay. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay. What's the next character that you're excited about playing? Oh man, I just want to do good shit. That's all I want. Also, I want to dance. I want to dance in in movies. Oh, that's, that's fun. Big, yeah. All right, everyone listening, Haley's ready to dance. All I want to do is dance. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody let me dance. <laughs> all right, Haley, have a great COVID test and a great holiday. <laughs> Happy New Year, Happy Holidays and um yeah have a great life (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's one of porsche's lines in the show (laughs) but yeah really do (laughs) thank you all right bye the run through with vogue is a production of condé nast entertainment make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and if you like the show please rate and review it we want to hear from you 
Send us a hello or any questions or thoughts you have about the show to therunthrough at vogue.com. We're taking a holiday break, but we'll be back in the new year with more interviews and breakdowns of stories we can't stop talking about. I'm Cho Minotti. And I'm Chloe Mal. Happy holidays. Happy new year. See you in 2023. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.